Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio, the show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are Carson Wentz looking for a new home, a Padre star gets a big payday, UFC depends on the city that never sleeps, UFC 285 live from Las Vegas, turnover at the top of the Atlanta Hawks, where does the organization go from here? into the final stretch of the NBA regular season, who's training in the right direction and who's not. Final week of the college basketball regular season, recapping last week's hoop games and previewing this week's biggest games. With that, I give you our assistant chief of our fire brigade, Colton Cow. Thanks, Matt. We're here on a uh, Friday night, uh, super rainy day here here in Ohio. Uh, yeah, near the Arctic to get out se- of here. Seems like uh, seems like we're living in Seattle. It's been raining pretty much all day, but we're going to bring you a little bit of uh, good good you know some good news hopefully here to you know brighten up your brighten up your day. So we'll uh, get it started. Like Matt Matt said, we're gonna gonna start with a little bit of little bit of bad news if you're if you're Carson Wentz. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like like Matt said, going to be looking for a new home for for the second straight off season here. Um, you know, was uh, last year was the the Commanders, you know, quarterback. Um, you know, Matt, what what do you what do you think about this, or what what do you, what do you what's your take on it? Yeah, you know, uh, right now, really, a lot of teams have given up a lot to get this guy, and they all keep kind of releasing him. So mm-hmm. you you, you kind of wonder what his next lease on life's going to be. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like you know you've had three franchises now give up on him. Is somebody else really going to take a chance, or is he going to really have to take a step back and be willing to be a backup, or, mm-hmm. or what's going to go on? Right. But, you know, he's got career stats that aren't too bad. A 62.6% completion rating, mm-hmm. 151 to 66 touchdown interception ratio. Right. Thrown for 22,000 yards. And he's even rushed for 10 touchdowns in his, I mean, still young career. He right. hasn't been in the league too terribly 2016 long. 2016 came in the so, league. So, I mean, you know, the guy's got tread left on the tires. It, I just I think he's going to have to kind of swallow the pride a little bit and, mm-hmm. and, and be willing to be a backup somewhere and, mm-hmm. and and try to just turn things around. Right, right, yeah. See, show what he can do, whatever. I, I, you know, obviously, yeah, only one season there with Washington, and then you know, prior to that, only one season with the Indianapolis Colts. Um, you know, like I mentioned, came into the league in 2016, was the you know number two pick in that year's draft uh, to the Philadelphia Eagles. Took him to a Super Bowl. Um, yeah, took him. You know, got him. Got him there. You know that that year. You know they 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 won the Super Bowl, but obviously that year, and it was arguably probably Wentz's best year. But unfortunately, you know, tore his ACL in that you know that same year. Um, you know, so wasn't able to, you know, get that. You know, really wasn't the the reason why they you know won the Super Bowl right. because he was you know not able to to play due to you know health reasons. Um, you know, and then. The, the year after that, then he injured, you know, injured his back and was out, you know, an extended period of time. So a couple of, you know, injuries early on in his career have really, you know, hindered him. And obviously, uh, you know, last year he, he lost the, the starting job to, to Jalen Hurts, you know, who's obviously, you know, that seems like it was the right move now, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. you know, Hurts had a great year this year and, you know, looks to be the, the franchise guy for, for Philadelphia. But yeah, Wentz is just, you know, Again, going to have to find, you know, that right place, right fit for him. Um, I, I think I think he kind of proves that fit really is a real thing for quarterbacks mm-hmm. in the NFL. You yeah. know, he had he had great years there with Peterson. And mm-hmm. then, right. you know, Peterson left. And I, I think the fit just wasn't quite the same. Right. He's kind of traveled around and mm-hmm. just hasn't found that fit that, that works for him. Right, yeah. And you look at what Peterson's now doing with Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. You know, right, absolutely. I, I think fit really does mean a lot when it comes to great quarterback play in the NFL. Right, yeah. And, and, you know, another person that he lost, you know, in that kind of Super Bowl season, you know, his first couple of seasons in the league was, uh, you know, current Carolina Panthers head coach Frank Wright was his offensive coordinator for the first – it was either offensive coordinator or QB coach the first couple of seasons mm-hmm. he was in the, in the league, um, you know, and then obviously Wright, uh, you know, Frank took the took the job in Indy, and you know that's probably why you know Wentz got picked up with right. Indy to begin with, or whatever. And I mean, if you look at the stats, the one season that he was with the Colts, he threw twenty seven touchdowns to seven picks. So I mean, the guy you know wasn't wasn't terrible. Right. It just you know the rest of the team, you know, they just weren't able to you know put things together to get get wins. Um, and obviously, you know, both both people, you know, Frank Wright and Carson Wentz, both you know found new homes or mm-hmm. you know on the outside looking in obviously frank wright now like i said with with carolina as the as the head coach so you know i saw saw some things that that might be 
where he's headed or, you know, yeah. a possibility. But again, from everything I was reading, it was going to be somewhat in a backup capacity because Carolina's picking up towards the draft. And obviously they've had a long history here the last three, four years of trying to find their next guy. And they've, they've gone that veteran route every year of trying to bring in, you know, a veteran guy through free agency and it, it hasn't panned out for right. him. So I think at this point they're committed or trying to commit to, we're going to draft somebody and, and see what, what happens with that. So I just think, yeah, if they bring in wins, I feel like it's going to be in a more, you know, backup role or maybe a one year one year get, get the rookie ready right right uh which and then, is basically what he happened to him in philadelphia right exactly gonna... yeah um but at the end of the day i mean washington has about 26 million reasons why they you know probably you know also released wince um you know he was due you know due to make you know around that amount of money if you know by releasing him when they right. did um and they've just got a lot of average quarterbacks on that roster that right. all can kind of do about the same thing right and the and the 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 only thing that's that's kind of strange you know because i was kind of looking at the details is you know Wentz still actually had two years left on on his contract with the with the commanders but he didn't have any guaranteed money on deal. So like it, it, to me, yeah, he was due like a payday if he was on the roster or whatever. But I I mean, I I guess, I don't know if you're Washington, do you really have anything else better on the, you know, do you have, you know, anybody else better on the team that you're willing to willing to put the, you know, ball in their hands and you know, that they're going to be, you know, better than what, you know, a veteran like Carson Wentz might Mm -hmm. be able to give you. No, I don't, I don't know. I guess. uh, Yeah. It, the fact that he wasn't due any guaranteed money, it, it's one of those things that, you know, why not see what, what happens, you know? Um, I think, though, the commanders probably want a quarterback that's a little more mobile than Wentz, especially mm-hmm. with the uh, enemy coming in. Right. Where, you know, what he just had in Kansas City with, right. with Mahomes. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're probably looking for that quarterback who can – you can move a little better and right. do those kind of things. But, yeah, just one of those, you know, even though the start for – Washington, you know, Carson Wentz debut in, in Washington, the first couple of games went pretty well. They, they, you know, Washington scored 55 points in their first two games. The next four, they scored a total of 47 huh. points. So they, they scored, you know, almost as much points they did in two games that they did, you know, for the next four games. Well, Wentz got hurt again. He eventually broke his finger in uh, week six and then sidelined for the next eight games. Right. Uh, came back on uh, New Year's Eve, uh, played against the, the Browns and, Came in and about a 50% completion, under 150 passing yards and threw three picks, um, you know, and then for the finale, he was actually named the the third stringer on the team. So you, you somewhat could see the handwriting right. on the wall, you know, probably with this. Um, but yeah, it's just been one of those things that, yeah, he hasn't been in the league very long, but injuries have seemed to plague him, you know, like I said, with a torn ACL in his second year in the league. Then the year after that, he injured his back this year, you know, broke his finger, you know, out, you know, quite a few games. He just, yeah, hasn't been able to really stay healthy for a full season. Um, And again, in that year that he tore his ACL, I mean, yeah, he was having his best year as obviously as a, as a pro, but some would even say he was probably MVP that year had he not gotten, you know, had he not gotten hurt. So we'll see what, uh, what happens. Obviously every teams are always looking for a veteran, whether it's a bat, you know, have a decent backup Mm -hmm. or, you know, we'll see what happens that, you know, there's always quarterbacks that get hurt during the season too. Right. So there's always desperate teams that are like, all right, our whole, uh, we're decimated. Again, you know, yeah. our whole QB room is decimated by injuries. Let's pick up a guy that's been, you know, been in the league, you know, mm-hmm. knows some of the, you know, the, what it takes to win games and things like that. Uh, so I, I, I think Wentz will be on a roster. I just don't know that he'll be in a starting capacity yeah, at this point. So, all right. Well, moving over then, um, back to some some basketball, or we're not actually talking basketball. Baseball, what about baseball yeah. news? What am I talking about? I'm getting all confused here. But we uh, we got a lot of topics, so uh, a lot of mixed bag topics. So uh, baseball news. We're right around the corner from baseball getting getting started. It's hard to believe that it. You know, we're, we already got it, some spring going on. Yeah, already got you know spring ball playing and things like that. It's hard to believe that the season's starting back up, but. Uh, a major padre getting some some major debt some major cash here um like we said third baseman Manny Machado from the San Diego Padres agreed to a new 11 year 350 million dollar contract extension to stay with the Padres uh Matt what what do you think about this you know I'm kind of conflicted on 
deals like these because they they rarely work out in the long term. I mean, I, I think it's the right thing to do. They needed to keep their guy in town. But, you know, you, you see these 11-year deals, and they really strap a team when, when that player starts to decline because they can't do anything with the contract. They're mm-hmm. stuck paying them. they got to keep playing them. And it, I don't know. I, I just I rarely see these work out. You know, like mm-hmm. Carlos Beltran towards the end of his career signed right. a big one that right. you know he had multiple years at the end where he wasn't doing anything. Jason Hayward with the Cubs. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you look at these guys and they get those big deals, and then if it falls off, it's it's a terrible thing for a franchise. Right. So you know, it's something to be leery about. But I mean, this guy has earned his money. He, mm-hmm. He's got a career regular season uh, stat line of a two eighty two average. He's got two hundred eighty three home runs, eight hundred fifty three RBIs. And even 85 stolen bases mm-hmm. and the guy's a, a you know a, a four-tool athlete he can do it all so you know it, like i said it needed done in the mm-hmm. short term i just i hate these long contracts i, I feel like they just rarely work out for mm-hmm. these franchises yeah yeah no and it's it's interesting because he actually still had five years left on his initial mm-hmm. deal that he had when he signed with the padres you know back in uh you know few few years ago um yeah so had Five years and roughly 150 million still left on his original original deal, and basically is signing you know an 11 year you know extension on top of that. So he's somewhat locked up with the Padres for quite a while, quite a while here. But we'll see if he you know I mean the guys I think just over I think he just reached the 30 mark I think just over 30. Um, so yeah, this will take him through his age 41 season. Right. So we'll see, you know, if he sticks around, if he's here, you know, with the Padres for all, you know, all those years, but you know, this little bit of details about the deal, you know, the, the money wise, uh, Machado fourth largest guaranteed in MLB history, uh, behind only Aaron judge, Mike Trout, and Mookie Betts. So obviously in good, good company there. Um, and you know, like Matt said, I think he was somewhat well, you know, well-deserving. I mean, this guy's been, you know, a staple for the Padres since right. he, you know, came over. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. You know, originally the Padres had offered him a five-year, $105 million extension. So way much, you know, way lower than what he, you know, what they settled on. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, obviously Machado wanted wanted more. Um, and they came, you know, came to an agreement, you know, found a way to, to get it done. Um, you know, and obviously Machado's coming off of one of his best seasons last year, hit almost 300 or 32 home runs and 102 RBIs. Uh, he finished second in the National League MVP voting uh, race. And then the Padres, you know, made it to the, uh, you know, National League Championship Series where they, you know, were eventually beaten by the, the Philadelphia Phillies who went on to the, you know, the World Series um, and, you know, made a run there. So, uh, you know, the Padres are a franchise that hasn't been around for, you know, a super amount, you know, super long time, uh, but they're still looking to win that first World Series. They've never done it in their uh, 54 year history. Um, and they got a lot of pieces there in, in Diego between, you know, Machado, Fernando Tatis Jr., mm-hmm. uh, they got Juan Soto, they added shortstop uh, Xander Bogarts this, this offseason. Um, you know, an interesting stat for me that I didn't, you know, obviously you hear all those star names and, you know, it, it probably makes sense, but. Uh, the Padres had the third highest payroll in, in the MLB this year, uh, which sometimes translates to success and sometimes right. it's a complete disaster. Um, you know, I, I think at this point, you know, the Padres play in the same division as the Los Angeles Dodgers, who's Always another tough. team, yeah. you know, another team that's notable for, you know, buying, you know, buying a championship or, you know, paying all these players, these exuberant contracts. So I guess, you know, the Padres are going to, you know, try a little bit of the Dodger magic. We'll see if it, you know, if it works out for them, but they got to try to do something to stay competitive with, with the Dodgers there. And you mentioned um, all that other young talent on the Padres. Mm-hmm. You know, what are they going to do when they got to sign these guys to 11 year contracts? <laughs> right. now? You know, they're they're going to be cash strapped here pretty soon or, you know, whatever. It's going to be very interesting when, when all these guys, you know, are, are contracts are due or, you know, whatever around the same time or, you know, whatever. So, yeah, the Padres definitely got a uh, you know interesting debacle on their hands if if you know of, of playing the game of who who gets what contract, who stays with the team, you know who they let go and everything like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, Machado probably you know very well deserving of this of this contract. We'll see Absolutely. if he if he stays the whole the whole time in in, in San Diego. Um, but yeah, I think it it does make it tough if if there is a steep fall off in, you know, production mm-hmm. just because again, it's a, it's a tough contract to, 
to get rid of. Right. You know, at that point, it's it's a big one to try to yeah, offload. You almost just got to hope he opts for retirement. Ooh, right. And you don't yeah. have to pay it out. Right. But exactly. other than that, you're, you're, you're on the hook. Yeah. And, and they've got no reason to retire because right. it's, it's, it's guaranteed. Right. Yeah. As long as I'm on, you know, some kind of, you know, I don't even have to be, you know, playing. I don't even have to be swinging right. the bat. I'm making money, yeah. you know, if I'm even at home. So um, it, it, it'll be, yeah, be interesting. But yeah. Padres obviously made a great run last year. We'll see if they can continue the success. You know, obviously signing one of their big, you know, big star players here to an extension. Um, we'll see if they can follow up that that great season they had last year and, you know, get to that elusive World Series and, you know, end, end the drought that they got. Going and if they on. win one, it's worth every penny. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, you know, in my opinion, that's the, that's the whole thing behind yeah. it. You know, it's, it's worth it as long as we win. But, yeah. you know, if not, then it, it's, you know, could be blowing up the whole team all, you yeah. know, all in the same season or, you know, whatever, offloading all those players probably to the Yankees, if I had to guess. <laughs> um, but we'll, we'll see what, uh, what happens, but, you know, again, signing one of your core pieces, keeping them there, you know, in, in a Padres Jersey, I think that's obviously big, big key for, for the Padres off season. So, uh, you know, we'll see what, what they can do this, this year with baseball only about probably about a month away here. We're, we're getting ready to, you know, start it up. So, all right. Well, enough uh, baseball news. We're going to head over to one of our other topics. A little bit of fighting action here. Yeah. That's UFC 285, uh, John Jones versus Cyril Gaon. Um, Like Matt said, live from Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, Saturday, March 4th uh, at T-Mobile Arena. Uh, Matt, what do you what do you think? We got a couple of couple of title fights here on yeah. the on the card. What what what's your what's your take on them? You know some big names too. That, these are the fights that draw the crowds. Mm-hmm. You know you got a guy like John Bones Jones coming in, got a twenty six and one career record, 10, 10 knockouts, six submissions, ten decisions, nine zero and one over his last ten fights. And then you got Cyril Gaon, who's eleven and one in his career, five knockouts, three submissions, three decisions. He's nine and one also in his last 10 fights. So mm-hmm. these two guys are both coming in hot. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I got to give it to the, to the vet though. I, I think John bones Jones has multiple ways of getting the job done. Mm-hmm. And I, I think he's seen it all. He's done it all. I, I think gone is, it, you know, he's, he's, he's a little younger in this right. action here. Right. And I, I think, I think Jones gets it done and, mm-hmm. and takes the title there. All right. Yeah. Well, it's going to be, going to be interesting. Cause yeah, actually John Jones is moving up a weight class to, to fight in here. He's, you know, usually not, not fighting heavyweight. Um, so yeah, it'll be, be interesting. Obviously Cyril gone somewhat, you know, new to the game, but has made a quick rise to the yeah. top of that heavyweight decision, uh, d- division. Um, and you know, John Jones, yeah, he's got the history behind him, you know, whatever, but this is going to be his first fight since 2020. He's been out of the game here, uh, due to some off the, off the, uh, octagon issues that he's been dealing with. Um, so yeah, it's be somewhat of his first fight, uh, in three years. Uh, so we'll see. So is it going to be rusty? Yeah. Or is does, he gonna be fresh? Yeah, right. Is he you know, fresh? Is he got the stamina? You know, what kind of shape he, is he in again? He's always been known as like being somewhat quick on his feet and having that stamina. Well, now not only is he had a three year layoff, but he's also Dance moving up, moving yeah. up a weight class. Does he still have that elusiveness? That's always, you know, been his go-to or the thing that's really, really helped him out. Um, because, even on the flip side with, with gone, you know, most people would classify, yeah, he's in the heavyweight division, but they would say that he moves like a middleweight um, and, and, but has kind of that rare striking ability of a heavyweight where, you know, it could be one punch and you're, you're done. I mean, yeah. it, it, both of these guys, yeah, really. it, this guy, you know, has, has that kind of, you know, finesse in him. So it's, it's going to be an interesting one. I, I, I expect it probably, you know, I, I don't know if it'll go the distance just because I think these two guys are, you know, two heavy hitters. Um, so I, I, I'm expecting some some fireworks in yeah. this one. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see. I, I, obviously, I think early on we will see what kind of, you know, John Jones we're right. going to get, um, you know, if he's, you know, kind of playing it, playing it back, waiting for his opportunity or if he's just going to, you know, come out aggressive yeah. and show what he's what he's got. Um, but, yeah, it should be. Should be a good one uh, to, to to watch. I'm I'm really looking forward to this this card. Um, then the other title fight, it's over over in the on the women's side, mm-hmm. the the flyweight division uh, between number currently number six Alexa Grasso uh, Grasso at 15 and three uh, versus the current champ in Valentina Shevchenko at 23 and three. Um, any any chance that Grasso has any chance to to win this one? I'd say probably not. Yeah, uh, I'm thinking the same. Shevchenko, she's making her eighth title 
defense appearance, which is record holder by any female in UFC history. She's she's moving her way towards breaking the men's record, which was 11, uh, 11 title defenses. So, you know, I, I think she adds one more to to the mix here. Um, now, she did, um, you know, this is kind of her, this is her second fight fighting at flyweight. So uh, she actually, she started out in, when she, you know, made her UFC debut, she started in this division, you know, made some, you know, dom- you know dominated mm-hmm. or whatever, and then, you know, decided to switch weight classes. So this is only her second fight back at, you know, the flyweight uh, division. Um, and, and her last fight was, you know, June, 2022, uh, when, when she fought, fought in this, deci- in this division. So, you know, it could be a little bit different, you know, a little bit, you know, uh, different, you know, different weight class for her. So it may, it may seem right away. She may be a little bit off her game, but right. I, I think at the end of the day, she's a veteran. She's one of the best of the best, you know, mm-hmm. greatest of, you know, one of the greatest of all time women's wise, but, you know, probably even pound for pound, you know, men's wise too. Mm-hmm right up there, you know, as, as far as total domination goes. Yeah. You know, I always like to look at what have you done for me lately. And mm-hmm. Shavanko, she's 10 and 0 in her last 10 fights mm-hmm. where Grasso, she's only seven and three. So, mm-hmm. I mean, she's, she's shown she's beatable. Right. And now right. she's going up against a championship caliber opponent. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like her chances. Right. And, and again, it, it's always in these title fights, you have to, you know, to be the best, you got to beat the best. Mm-hmm. And, and, most of the time, or, you know, in, in my experience of watching UFC fights is unless you do something spectacular, you know, like a knockout, but if it goes the distance yeah. and you haven't really done anything super spectacular, they almost always ease on the side of caution and, and the champ almost gets the benefit right. of the doubt, if you will. So to really, you know, have a chance, you gotta, you know, you gotta submit, you know, Shevchenko or you gotta knock her out. Because if it goes the distance, I don't know that you really like your chances yeah. just because you had to have done something really, really spectacular, mm-hmm. had a lot of significant strikes and, and you know, not taking the ropes a, the entire time. Right, yeah. right. Uh, to really to really get that. But uh, no, this this card is, is looking looking pretty great. Uh, even even the the one that kind of kicks off the main card uh, the, in the middleweight division, uh, Bo Nickel versus Jamie Pickett, uh, Bo Nickel's two and oh. Um, very fresh, very new to the to the UFC, um, but you know something that's interesting. He's a three time NCAA Division One wrestling champion right. out of out of Penn State, so you know gonna have obviously really great ground game or whatever. Um, but you know, I don't think he could have asked for a better pro debut from Nickel back in twenty twenty two. Very first fight, knocked out the guy in thirty three seconds. So <laughs> you know you can't ask for a better you know better debut. You know, and then. Uh, had a couple of great uh, victories in the uh, Dana White Contender Series, where you know that was able to earn him uh, a UFC contract. So, um, and, and Jamie Pickett comes into this fight on a two-fight w- uh, losing streak. So, you know, I think you know Bo Nickel, he's obviously a new up-and-comer. We'll see what he can do in that in that middleweight division. Obviously, getting his name out there, you know, on a on a main card, you know, a big one like this, if he can, you know create some fireworks, mm-hmm. have another, you know, possible knockout that he knocks out a guy, you know, that quick or, you know, something like that. It could really move him up the up the ladder yeah. pretty quick in that middleweight division. So yeah, it sounds like it should be a good night of fight to get to your local B dubs or right. whoever's showing it right. down. And absolutely and watch I, I will be I won't be at B dubs, but I'll be with 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 the guys. We'll be watching this one. We're we're looking forward to it. I hope it's as good as it looks on paper. Yeah. So um all right. Well we're gonna take a uh, quick uh, commercial break. Stick with us. We're going to talk a little bit of basketball after we get back. This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host Fired Up. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. All right, and we're back. Thanks for sticking with us. Well, a little bit more bad news. If you're an Atlanta Hawks fan, uh, last week, Hawks decided to move on from their from their head coach Nate McMillan after he started the season twenty nine and thirty, 
Um, you know, what, Matt, what, what do you think about this? I mean, the, the guy actually took over for the team as an interim coach mm-hmm. and, you know, didn't even make it, you know, a couple of seasons into his deal that he got with the team and right. already already moving on. So, yeah, you know, I, I'm not real sure what I think of this because, you know, he wasn't that bad. Three, right. three seasons, he had a combined record of 99 and 80. Mm-hmm. And, and previous stops with Seattle, Portland, Indiana, he's got an overall record of 760 and 668. So mm-hmm. they kind of got – what they knew they were going to get. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he, can, he continues to win kind of at the same percentage everywhere right. he goes. Yeah. So, I, I mean, you kind of got what you thought you were going to get. But, mm-hmm. you know, then they go out and they hire Quinn Snyder to replace McMillan. Mm-hmm. He was uh, Utah's old coach for eight seasons. Mm-hmm. And then Utah, he's got a record of 372 and 264. About the same percentage as McMillan. You're mm-hmm. almost re- replacing the guy with another guy who's got the same all-time winning percentage as you do. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it works out. I, I mean, I, I guess in Atlanta, you got to do something. Right, you, right. You, you know, you're you reaching for the stars. You want to try to get get right. that next level, and nothing's happening right now. So, right. I guess I guess I can see why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I, I the, the guy's a good coach. I, I he'll he'll get on somewhere oh, else. Oh yeah, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, you know, from from everything I was kind of reading, I mean, the Hawks, you know, kind of management, they were they were actually you know, wait until the off season, you know, even with the bad start that they got off to, um, you know, they were going to wait until the off season to, to, to make the move or, you know, whatever. But because even though they are about, you know, 500, they are the eighth seed currently in the East. So they are, you know, in the playoffs. So management felt let's make the move now, now that we still have a chance to really make the playoffs. Right. They just didn't really trust that the second half of the season that McMillan really could push them to, get over the hump and keep them, you know, in that playoff hunt. Um, well, you know, like I said, you know, McMillan replaced Lloyd Pierce as the interim coach back in 2021. That same year, he made a run to the Eastern Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously has not been able to reciprocate that same magic, uh, you know, since then. But, you know, as a reward of doing so well as an interim coach, he got a four, you know, got a four-year deal. Like you said, had a ninety-nine and eighty record in his in his three plus seasons with the uh, with the Hawks, but yeah, just wasn't enough to you know impress the the, the management. Uh, they thought that they needed to go different direction. Um, you know, obviously, you know, signing Quinn Snyder that's that's the rumor going around. I mean, it's somewhat official, but not official yet. But that's you know everybody believes that's going to be who 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 takes over. Um, and, and I mean, it makes sense. They bring in another guy who's somewhat familiar with the organization. Um, Snyder was a a longtime uh, Hawks assistant coach under um, the current Milwaukee Bucks coach, uh, Mike Budenholzer, when he was the you know head coach for the Hawks. Uh, Quinn Snyder was an assistant coach under him for quite a few seasons. So, you know, he, he comes in, uh, knows the franchise, knows, you know, knows what they're, they're capable of, um, you know, so kind of kind of what I was reading of like what the Hawks were looking for, you know, what, what their criteria was for bringing in a guy, you know, they were looking for somebody that can improve the franchise's player development and accountability. So, you know, the Hawks do have a lot of, you know, young guys, a lot of young core pieces that they've drafted over the last, you know, couple of, couple of seasons between, you know, John Collins and, uh, you know, Trey young, you know, right. those are, those are two up and coming guys that, you know, they want to keep developing and keep they're They're the guys also that, are looked as the leaders of the teams as well. So you've got to, you know, that accountability starts, starts with them as well. But you know, the, the, the coach has a, has a you know role in that as well. Um, yeah, I think some of these young guys though, they've just got to be more consistent. I mm-hmm. mean, Trey young, he's got moments of greatness right. and then he has games where he just doesn't show up. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I don't, I don't know that this is necessarily all a coaching issue. Mm-hmm. They, they've got to get more talent on that roster mm-hmm. to, to, to really help any coach win and, and make some noise in right. this league. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and another, you know, couple of things that they were they're looking for is a guy that can move the team towards getting the in the top 10 in both offensive and defensive rankings. So currently the the Hawks are ranked 16th in offense and 21st in defense. So, you know, outside the top 10 in both categories. So, you know, you you somewhat have to start somewhere. Um, you know, I, I don't think that you can magically make both of those things better overnight uh so you have to somewhat focus on one of them and try to you know make that the anchor before you you can bring in new guys or draft new players that help boost you in that uh, you know another category um so yeah it'll be it'll be interesting you know some some other names that i heard that were you know thrown around as possible replacements were 
current Milwaukee Bucks associate head coach uh, Charles Lee, uh, Golden State Warriors assistant Kenny Atkinson. Um, you know, and obviously, I, I think Quinn Snyder pretty much has the job. I mean, it's pretty much his to his to lose at this point. Um, you know, and there are you know sources say that yeah, he's already signed a five year deal to 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 be with the Hawks. We'll see how it plays. I mean, yeah, he had some some decent years in in you know Utah. But again, his Achilles heel was, you know, he had these great teams during the regular season. When the playoffs came, it, it, it was like it all fell apart. And, you know, everything that they had done so well in the regular season, they just somewhat forgot about it, you know, forgot mm-hmm. to, you know, translate it, that over to, you know, the playoffs. So we'll see, we'll see what they, you know, because even with McMillan, it's not like the Hawks weren't able to somewhat be a borderline playoff team right. every year. Obviously, the Hawks want to make, they want to you know do more than just make the playoffs yeah, they, they want to make rounds. yeah they want to make make you know a couple series you know win win some series uh you know knock off some of those top teams in the in the east and really make some noise there so we'll see you know if it's a different story with with you know Quinn Snyder in in Atlanta you know new team you know new new organization we'll see if he can you know turn it around but uh yeah no I don't expect McMillan to be out of a job for for very long mm-hmm. the, the guy has been somewhat of a staple in the NBA, you know, whether it's a assistant coach or, you know, head coach for, for quite a while. Um, I, I think somebody will, will pick him up and he'll, he'll be on the, on the sideline again for, for another, another franchise. So, yeah, all right, well, sticking with the NBA, we are about three quarters of the way through the regular season and, you know, the playoffs are just around the corner, the, you know, the wrap up of the, of the regular season, just around the corner, but, we wanted to, you know, review kind of the three at the three quarter mark, see where what we think. Uh, we picked kind of our, uh, you know, favorites to possibly win the NBA title, our MVP candidate, uh, most surprising team, and then the most most disappointing team at the at the three quarter mark. So we'll start it off here. We'll uh, we'll we'll kick it off with with some great news. Um, what, you know, what do you think favorite to win NBA title? And I, I can start it off here. Sure. Um, we, uh, you know, we've done this segment. Obviously, now this is our third time doing it, and I've said the Boston Celtics both times. I- I'm sticking with the Boston Celtics the third time. They continue to just, you know, keep the status quo every time we talk about them. Um, you know, they they have a 45 and 18 record. They're first in their division. Actually, have the second best record in the NBA. That the Bucks are are coming on. Yeah, coming up, coming on strong here. You know, recently after you know the midway point. Um, but they're they're doing they're doing things well on both ends of the floor. They're they're fourth in the NBA in points per game, ninth in the NBA in points per game allowed. Um, they're shooting almost eighty three percent as a team from the free throw line, uh, which is good for third in the NBA. Um, another thing that kind of plagued them during the you know the uh, <clears throat> NBA playoffs, you know the finals last year was the turnovers. This year, they're averaging only about 13 turnovers a game, which is good for seventh in the NBA. So they're doing the things well in the regular season. Again, right. you're, it's different basketball when you get to the get to the playoffs. So we'll see if they can, you know, continue to do the things that they're doing well here in the regular season. See if they can do those well in the in the in the playoffs. Um, but a, a stat for me that really sticks out: they're 28 and 13 against Eastern Conference opponents. But even better. 17 and five against Western conference opponents. So when it comes title time, right. That's what matters. Yeah. And uh, so obviously, and, and looking at those Eastern conference opponents, they're, they're one and one this year against the bucks. They're three and zero against Philadelphia, who are the other, you know, top three teams in the, in the East. Uh, so, you know, they got, got a good, you know, good record against some of those tough teams that they're probably going to face probably one of those teams in the playoffs at some point. Um, so that, that, you know, hopefully they can, you know, translate that, but yeah, I like the, I like the Celtics here to to you know hoist that trophy after you know kind of a, a disappointment in in the NBA Finals last year. Yeah, well, like you said, uh, like really the more things change, the more things stay the same mm-hmm. in this league right, right now. And Boston's just been so consistent all year, and, mm-hmm. and that's who I'm sticking with on my champion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you said, 45 and 18, second best record in the NBA, just half a, you know inches behind Milwaukee. Right, right. Milwaukee's got 17 losses, right. same 45 wins. Mm-hmm. But you know, the thing that sticks out to me about this Boston Celtics team is how well-rounded they are. Mm-hmm. You look at every every single stat in the league, and this yep. team is top ten, if not top five, mm-hmm. in every category. Yeah, I mean they they do it all. They do the off, on the offensive side, the defensive side. They right. rebound. They mm-hmm. pass the ball around. Yeah, I mean, this is the ultimate 
basketball team. Right. These guys play together. They, they do everything great together. That To me, there's no reason not to think they're the championship team at this point. Right. Yeah, they, they, you know, have even dealt with, you know, injuries, which, you know, every team does, but it's like, you know, they've dealt with some injuries to their star play. You know, Jalen Brown has been in and out of the lineup. Marcus Smart has been in and out of the lineup. They've had, you know, several players that have been, you know, out of the lineup for quite a few games or whatever, but the train just keeps on going. So right. I think that really hammers that point that they are a basketball team. It's right. not just one guy or two guys. They have guys that fit key roles mm -hmm. and they have guys that when they go down, they have more guys that can step Water up man. and take, you know, yeah. take those spots. So definitely this is, you know, they're, they're looking good so far uh, through the three quarter mark. We'll see if they can continue it through the, you know, the last quarter of the season and see what they can do in the, in the playoffs. Yeah. All right. Well then moving over to uh, our best individual player uh, of the, of the season. Um, you know, for me, we, we've talked about it. I still think it's the same, you know, it's the same guy for me. Um, and that that's Luka Doncic from, you know, the Dallas Mavericks, the point guard uh, for, for that Dallas team, averaging 33.4 points a game, which is first he's leading the league uh, in points per game, um, 36 and a half minutes per game. He's towards the top in that uh, eight, eight point seven rebounds, which is first among NBA guards and uh, 8.1 assists, which is good for sixth in the NBA. I think the only thing that's hurting him. And again, I've brought this up before the Mavericks have a 33 and 31 record, which mm. I think is going to play a little bit against him, but unless the Mavericks can really, you know, but obviously they still got quite a few games to go, but also, you know, we talked about it at the trade deadline. They added Kyrie to the mix, right. which like gonna it's going to, you know, how does that affect his production? You know, whatever so far it has, I mean, say, the other night, night yeah, 42 points yep. for Luca and 40, 40 points for Kyrie. for Kyrie. So they've, you know, made it, made it work, you know, the dynamic duo. So, Maybe it won't be much of a hindrance, but, you know, those are things to look at, you know, when you're, you know, casting your MVP vote, you know, what, what, the, what the case might be. But right. at, at this moment, I think Lucas, Lucas, the guy, even before Kyrie got there, mm -hmm. he was the do all. And I think still is the guy that they're going to lean on right. when they need a crucial bucket or they need, you know, some crucial time. Yeah. Well, you know, just like you, I'm sticking with, with the same guy I had, you had Luca. I've, been touting Jason Tatum all season long, yeah. you know, really the best player on the best team in the league. Mm -hmm. it, it's hard to pick otherwise. He's right. scoring 30.3 points per game, mm -hmm. 8.7 rebounds per game for a guard. That's pretty impressive. 4.7 assists, one steal, one block. Mm. And the, the guy's playing two-way basketball. He, he's, he's leading – he said, technically, I guess the best, second best team in the league right now. Right, but, right. you know, the, the guy's just done it all. He's so consistent. He's still my pick for MVP at this point. All right. All right. Well, moving over to our most surprising team at the three-quarter mark. Yeah. Uh, Matt, what, what do you think about that? A team that's impressing you that, you know, you didn't expect them to be here at the at this point. What, what do you think? Yeah, the team I'm going with right now is the Sacramento Kings. They're currently 36-25, and 25, good for the third-best record in the West, eighth-best record in the NBA. These are guys that Sacramento has kind of been the joke of the league for the last 10, 15 years. Now they're right there at the top. They're, 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 you know, they're making noise. They're thinking, Hey, we, we could be a championship team just like the rest of these guys. Right. You know, they've done a great job building this franchise from the ground up through the draft. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, done, done some nice trades as well. Right. They've really put this team together and they're, they're playing good ball. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm pleasantly surprised with these guys. Yeah. Well, it's awfully ironic because that's who I picked as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're, you know, currently the third best team, like you said, in the in the West right now. Um, the only thing that kind of scares me, I mean, they lead the league in points per game at almost 121 points a game, but they give up 118 points right. a game, which is almost dead last in the league. So I think to have success in the playoffs, again, it's, play a, it's a different caliber, you know, game when you get to the playoffs. That number is going to have to improve, you know, come playoff time if right. they want to really make a you know make some noise uh in the in the playoffs um but you know again this was a team that went 30 and 52 last year mm -hmm. they've already won that many games you know at the three-quarter mark and way you know looking to eclipse that yeah. way past that mark so again they, they you know like you said they built it through the draft they've made some really great trades it's all starting to kind of come together mm -hmm. uh you know they they shoot almost 60 percent from two-point range uh, which is first in the nba um, you know, they're, 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 they're playing well again against their own 
conference opponents. They're 24 and 13 against Western Conference teams. Um, and, and, and the two other, you know, top teams or, you know, the top teams in the in the West, they're one and one against Denver and two and two against Memphis. So, yeah. you know, they're doing well even against, you know, some of the the elite teams in the in the Western Conference. So, you know, we'll see, you know, see how they do. Uh their next, you know, next five opponents. Uh they kind of play couple of teams uh early on that uh kind of 500 or around the 500 mark so again a way to you know kind of get a little winning streak right. here and you know chain some wins together um because you know right there on the heels same division is the phoenix suns who made that you know prolific trade for, for kevin durant and they're only a couple games back so you know and, and they and their next in their next five games they do the last you know the fifth game of their next five they do play the suns so mm-hmm. we'll see you know what they can do you know now that you know uh kevin durant is there with the with the suns um but yeah i, I like this king's team um it, it's yeah great to see them finally you know being relevant in the nba after right. being so you know so bad here here as of recent so well speaking of bad teams we're going to talk about our most disappointing team and i can i can kick it off for me it's the new orleans pelicans mm-hmm. they are currently 31 and 32 they're third in their division they're 18th overall in the NBA. The thing that really stands out to me, why they're the most disappointing team. Yeah, they're 500. They're, you know, a border, you know, I think they're actually the 10th seed currently in the, in the uh, Western conference. So they would be in the play in tournament yeah. if yeah. it were to start today, but this team started 27 and 14 mm-hmm. to start the first half of the season. They've gone four and 18 since that, mm-hmm. you know, first half. Uh, so they really have taken a, nosedive and i know again we talk about the injury bug and there probably hasn't been a team that's been hit with it harder than them you know zion again in and out of the lineup you know he was playing playing great when he was in there but again hit with the injury bug uh you know star player brandon ingram has been hit with the injury bug it's just been yeah their star guys um have really been hit hard and unfortunately they don't have the the depth like the celtics do to have guys that step in to really fill those roles but you know, if you just look at their stats, they don't really – nothing really stands out. They're kind of middle of the road in every category. Um, and so it just – nothing really flashes you, you know, potential. Uh, you know, one thing that really sticks out, they only shoot about 33 pointers a game, which, you know, okay, you don't live and die by the three ball. But in today's NBA world, that that is how you, you know, yeah, win. Everybody. You know, everybody's hoisting threes anymore. And actually – you know, with that 30, you know, 33s a game, they're actually almost dead. You know, they're 29th, almost dead last in the, in the NBA in number of attempts from three-point land. And, and I'd say that'd be good if they were shooting really well or doing really well from two-point land, but they're, but they're not. Right. So it's like they're not getting any production from, you know, either, you know, inside the three-point line, outside the three-point line. So going to have to, you know, figure it out here. Uh, they got a, you know, a tough little five-game stretch here against, you know, some borderline playoff teams and, you know, teams that are uh, pretty significantly above 500. So we'll see see what they can do. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're going to have to, you know, get things turned around if they want to, you know, stay in the playoff mm-hmm. hunt here. Yeah, you know, moving over to – for my pick here, I'm the biggest disappointment. And it's not really a team that I really expected much out of, right. but – for what happens to one of the best players in the league, and that's the Portland Trailblazers. Mm-hmm. These guys have Damian Lillard on this team who fights night in and night out. A guy just put up 70-some points in a game. Right. I mean, this this guy just – he deserves better. He right. deserves to be on a winner. He mm-hmm. puts it all out there. Mm-hmm. He's held firm with these guys. Right. He keeps trying to make Portland a winner. They just continue to put nothing around them. Mm-hmm. They're currently 29-33, and 33, which is good for only 12th in the West. I, I mean, I guess technically that's – almost playoffs right, you yeah, know they're, but they're still fighting yeah but i mean oh I just, yeah. you, you gotta feel awful for the guy who, who puts it all out there he's clearly one of the best players in the league mm-hmm. he, he can score from anywhere mm-hmm. the guy's a perennial all-star he, he deserves better around him mm-hmm. just for that that makes the portland trailblazers to me one of the biggest disappointments in the league right yeah absolutely yeah it's tough tough to watch there yeah. he's been so so loyal to them you yeah. know and then to you know just the return on investment that they're getting with the rest of the team just yeah, doesn't, doesn't make sense, but you know, hats off to him. He's still giving his everything he's got. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that a lot of guys would, yeah, 
walk away from that situation quicker than what he has or you know and he's yeah, still, how he hasn't demanded a trade right, right. Or tried to force his way out like all these other stars right is, is, he uh yeah it's commendable yeah it's it's you know very rare in today's you know today's nba so all right well enough uh nba uh basketball we're gonna switch it over to the college ranks um you know last week we picked five games that we you know uh picked and kind of reviewed so we're going to recap those really quick and then get into five new games. Uh, like we said at the, at the beginning of the show, last week of the regular season in college basketball. Uh, and like I said, it's, it's the best time of the year, baby. March madness yeah. is, is upon us. So let's, uh, let's get it started here. We'll uh, talk about that first game over in the sec, uh, Arkansas versus number two, Alabama, a, a, a tight one, mm-hmm. but unfortunately Arkansas couldn't, couldn't get it done. Alabama wins by the score of 86 to 83. Matt, what what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, this, this game made me a one zero for for the for the day there with Bama winning eighty six eighty three. Bama shot forty five percent from the floor. That's going to be hard to beat for anybody. Mm-hmm. This game really, you keep looking at the stats, could have been a blowout had they shot better from the three point line. Mm-hmm. They only shot thirteen point six percent from the three point range. Right. They were three for twenty two on the night. Mm-hmm. You know, they they cash in half of those, and and this is just a, a run right. away, a runaway freight is, train. And this is a team that kind of they shoot the three ball really right. well and yeah. we're playing at home. You know, you would have thought they, they would have shot better, but you know, I, I guess that shows the versatility or why they're the number right. two team in the country. They can get it done even when they have, they have having an off, an night, off night from yeah. three point line, but yeah, continue. Yeah, no, I mean, that's just, to me, that was impressive that they were able to be that, that abysmal from the three point right, line right. And, and, still and still be win. able to eke out a win against a, a, a pretty good Arkansas team mm-hmm. by, by three points. Arkansas was hot coming into this thing. Yeah. We, thought, we thought they had a chance coming in. Right, but, right. Yeah, I mean, Alabama played a great game and was able to pull out the win. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you talk about it, the you know, only thing I, you know, will touch on here is, you know, yeah, they only made three three-pointers, but they had 52 points in the paint. So yeah. they dominated, you know, they, they found a different way to get, right. you know, get the ball in the bucket, you know, not usually traditionally what they are used to doing, mm-hmm. but – Again, I think that shows the versatility, why they're the number two team in the country. Yeah, that would be huge for mm-hmm. them come tournament time right. to know that they, they can win multiple ways. Right. They don't have to be shooting the three ball all night. Mm-hmm. They can pound it inside and still get the job done. Yeah, and I think, uh, again, the, the kind of the star player, the key player, who's been the key player for Alabama all year, and that's Brandon Miller. He shot 8 of 15, scored 24 points, and had six rebounds. Uh, I mean, it was a, a, a crucial piece in this one to help, you know, Alabama seal seal the yeah. win and, and and take home a victory. You know, the guy's a heck of a player. We we won't touch the the rest of that conversation. <laughs> right. There's but. there's some off the field, there are off the court issues going on there. But yeah, again, we won't won't touch too much on that. But uh, the guy's a heck of a heck of a ball player. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, then moving out west, what a wild game this is. Yeah, I didn't see this coming. Arizona at all. State, a sixty footer at the buzzer. <laughs> to beat number seven, Arizona, by a score of 89 to 88. Um, you know, we had talked about this Arizona t- State team, that they needed a, a, a signature mm-hmm. win, a key win, that they were one of our bubble teams we talked yeah. about. Well, there's no better way to get, you know, March Madness kicked off than to hit a 60-footer at the buzzer right. to win the game against, against you know. a top-ten team in uh, the country. Right. Um, yeah, wow. I mean, I, I, I'm at this point, I think more – Arizona lost this game more than Arizona State won won this game. I mean, there was six minutes to go, and they they you know Arizona was up by ten. They they went almost six minutes. Arizona did without scoring a bucket in in you know today's way of you know scoring in bunches and you know scoring being up than what it used to be in in college basketball. No lead is is, is safe right. really anymore. Um, you know so and to go yeah six whole minutes without scoring a bucket it. it, it it makes it tough to, to close out a game to, to, you know, put, put a team that, you know, you should beat away right. when you just keep giving them chances. Yeah. But you know, really you got to give some credit to this Arizona state mm-hmm. defense. They, they came in, they had nine steals and five mm. blocks on nice. the defensive yeah. end. So, yeah. you know, they, they put up a heck of a defense on, on the road. Nonetheless, right? yeah, yeah. With a ruckus environment and, mm-hmm. you know, really being a rivalry game, Arizona, right. Arizona state. Right. Battle state of Arizona. Rival, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, for that defense to come out and play that well mm-hmm. in, a, in a game that you know the officiating is probably going to be a little tighter, right? Being right, a rivalry, right, they don't absolutely. want things to get crazy, right? Get nine steals, five blocks, mm-hmm. a heck of a defensive game plan, right? Absolutely. Well, yeah, Arizona State gets that signature win. We'll see what they can what they can do. And, you know, maybe just played their way into into March yeah. Madness. So, 
All right, big a Big 12 matchup. Mm-hmm. Uh, number eight, Texas, going on the road to number nine, Baylor. Unfortunately, going home with a loss. Yeah. Uh, Baylor pulls it out, 81 to 72 in this in this game. Uh, you know, I, I think if you're Baylor fans, you would have never thought that they would have pulled this one out. Their their leading scorer gets injured in the first six minutes of the game, has to limp off the court, never comes back. And you're thinking, okay, well, where's the scoring coming from now? Well, apparently everybody. Yeah, everybody stepped up, and, and especially forward uh, Jalen Bridges, who shot 6 of 10 from the field, had 17 points and 8 rebounds. Um, and it was, it, was, it was bad. I mean, Texas got out to an 18-4 to 4 lead. And there was, it was about halfway through the first half. Baylor then scored the next 25 of the next 30 points, um, you know, and, and scored 18 points in a row at one point. So they, you know, after getting down early, pretty much having their backs up against the wall, being at home, I think, you know, obviously helps out a lot. They, they put their foot on the gas pedal and never, you know, never look back um, because after half, halftime, Texas never led. Right. And so it, it uh, yeah, it was really – about midway through that first half when the light, you know, the light switch clicked for, for Baylor and they, you know, couldn't be stopped. <clears throat> yeah. You know, and really you look at the shooting night. These guys had Baylor shot 50% from the floor, 47.4% from three point line, even 75.9% from the free throw line. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just everything they put up was going in. Right. You, yeah. You know, you, you make every other shot you take and that leads to a pretty successful night for most teams. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, a heck of a job for Baylor, you know, like I said, overcome that adversity, mm-hmm. shooting great on the night. Yeah. I think I think being home really helps. is the key because yeah. the, the, these guys have those sight lines. They know mm-hmm. how to shoot in their home arena. Right. So that, that definitely helps shoot that high percentage. Right. And then when but, you start scoring those yeah. buckets, starting to cut into that lead, you get right. the crowd behind you. You yeah. know, that just gets Confidence you. Confidence galore. Right. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. But, but a heck of a game for Baylor. And what we really thought was probably going to be our, our – our, real game of the week and mm-hmm. what the ones we picked right it really it, wasn't as close as you would have expected what, right yeah yeah um all right well moving over to a uh, big 10 uh big 10 battle um another one you know kind of kind of a, a shocker because mm-hmm. of you know we didn't know that indiana could go on the road and, and get a win mm-hmm. here but they did number 17 indiana sweeps the season series against uh at that time you know number five purdue by a score of 79 to 71 and again, this is another game where if you're an Indiana fan, you see your best player, you know, Trace Jackson Davis, he only scored, you know, 10 points, but the first 28 minutes of the game, he had didn't score a single point. Right. And you're thinking, man, there's no way we win this game right. if he doesn't, you know, do something. Well, they got some contribution from a guy by the name of Jalen Hood Shafino, went 14 of 24. 35 points, Man. seven rebounds, and two assists. What a night. Yeah, they, the guy, you want to talk about a guy that couldn't miss or that was feeling it, it was this guy. <laughs> so they got contributions from somebody, you know, that they were not were not expecting, uh, you know, and, and, yeah, that was the difference maker in, in this game. He was, he was red hot. Purdue had no answer. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Edie from, you know, Purdue got his points, got his rebounds. But the, the problem has always been for Purdue – He's always going to get what he gets. Right. Nobody in basketball can figure out how to stop that guy. He's just too big of it's a force. Huge for college basketball. It it <clears throat> it it's everybody else. They don't have a consistent second person mm-hmm. that can give them enough, you know, scoring or you know can give them enough contributions to to score enough points. That right. that's been in their losses. That has been the problem for mm-hmm. them. Is that Edie has been the star guy, but nobody has been there to compliment yeah. him. And it, it, it haunted him in this game. Yeah. Well, I will say I called this game right coming in, but they did it definitely a different way than I thought they mm-hmm. would. I thought they were going to really have to limit Zach Eady. Right. But, you know, I, you talked about last week. Yeah. Let him get his. Yeah, stop him. everybody else, and you're yeah. going to be all right. And that's really what happened here. They, they yeah. played great on everybody else. Eady put up his 26, but nobody else could really get going. Mm-hmm. And, and Indiana pulled, pulled the big upset. Yeah, because at this point, you let Eady get what he's getting – He's only getting you two points every time, right. you know. And in today's game, where you know a three is obviously better than two, you know that that that's you're you're willing to live with getting beat from the two point line right. or you know whatever. When you know if you're you know confident enough that you can you know hit some shots from the outside, you you can really make you know make a difference. Right. Um, so, but yeah, Indiana you know sweeps the series against you know against Purdue. 
Um, you know, we'll see what they what they can do. I mean, making a little bit of a late push here at the at the end of the season. Yeah, try to get themselves top four. Yeah, see so. if they can move up. You know, in the in the the seedings and and see what they do in the Big Ten tournament coming up here in a, in, a, in a week. So, all right. Well, last game of the of the recap out out back out west. Um, that's number fifteen, St. Mary's. Went on the road to number twelve Gonzaga in a game that you know decided basically the the, the WCC title. Gonzaga got their revenge against a yes, you know team did. that had beaten them you know earlier in the year, and uh, you know it, it was kind of a close game. You know I think the score somewhat you know wasn't really as you know it was a lot closer than what maybe the score projected. Uh, even though Gonzaga somewhat did dominate from from start to finish in this one. Um, I felt like St. Mary's was always there, always kind of hanging around. They never, you know, it never really slipped away from them too much. But again, just didn't have enough, you know, enough there to to, to overcome, you know, a, a great night from Drew Timmy from mm-hmm. from Gonzaga had nineteen points, six six rebounds. Um, I think for me that the difference is at three different times in the first half, St. Mary's went three minutes where they didn't score a bucket. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so you know, quite a few stretches where, yeah, you're not putting up points. Gonzaga, you know, obviously playing at home, they, 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 you know, that, that helps them out, obviously. So you going on the road, you have to play somewhat of a perfect game to, you know, overcome, you know, th- this Gonzaga team who plays great at home. Right. Um, you know, so again, St. Mary's just had too many stretches where they didn't put the ball in the bucket. Uh, Gonzaga was, you know, the more consistent team throughout the night come come away with a nine a nine point win yeah and to me the biggest thing for this gonzaga team was how balanced they were they had four guys on their offense scoring double digits mm-hmm. and another guy i think scored nine okay so i mean you, you got that many guys scoring scoring double digit points or, or right there close to it mm-hmm. that's going to be tough to stop when there's just so many different options you, you can't stop them all mm-hmm. yeah absolutely well that uh recaps recaps the games from last week we're gonna kick it over to our games of the week this week we got some some good ones to close out the season. So, starting over again in the SEC, we got that Alabama team. You know, number two currently, twenty six and four, sixteen and one in the SEC, going on the road to number twenty four Texas A and M, twenty two and eight overall with a fourteen and three SEC record. It's a noon game over on CBS. Man, these two teams are are red hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, four, both of them four and one in their last five games. For me, I'm looking at the the rebounding. I'm looking at down in the trenches here. Alabama leads the SEC in defensive rebounds per game. Texas A&M leads the SEC in offensive rebounds per game. So for me, the key is who gets the better of that of that matchup. Right. For me, this year it's always been tough to go on the road. You know, Alabama's already clinched the SEC. They've already wrapped that up. Yeah, I kind of wondered what their motivation what, would really what, what be. What is their motivation this, this game going on the road in a tough environment at Texas A&M? I like Texas A&M to pull off the upset here and and, and get a big key win going into going into March Madness. Yeah, I mean, you, you did touch on it. Alabama has already secured the SEC championship, and and, and you know what will what the, what will their motivation really be in this game? But you know, I think their motivation's got to be that they're looking to be that number one overall seed in yeah. the tournament. Yeah, and that that's huge come tournament time. Having right. that path that makes it a little easier for you. You're not playing as far away from home. Right, right. Better crowds for you. Yeah. So you know, coming into this game though, they're scoring eighty three point six points per game compared to A and M only seventy three point five. So mm-hmm. they're out scoring them by ten points per game. Right. They're also out rebounding A and M by six rebounds per game. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think anybody on A&M is going to be able to stop Brandon Miller. Mm-hmm. Nobody else has this year. Right. I don't think A&M is going to be able to either. Mm-hmm. I think Alabama wins. All right. Well, we'll see. That's, uh, yeah, getting it started early with a little bit of, you know, division between us. So yeah, yeah. I like it. Well, moving over to a top 10 battle again out in the Big 12. We got number three, Kansas, 25 and 5, 13 and 4 in the Big 12, going on the road to number nine, Texas, 22 and 8, 11 and 6 in the in the Big 12. Four o'clock game over on ESPN. Um, you know these two teams they faced off back in you know early February. Kansas came in out on top, came out on top, eighty-eight to eighty in this game. You know Kansas is red hot. They're five and zero oh in their last mm-hmm. five. They look like the Kansas team we're used to seeing. You know, come come March time. <laughs> but and this and the, and on the other side, you know Texas is kind of limping their way into yeah, it. They're two, they're, and three. they're two and three in their last five games. But again. There's no better way to get out of a slump than being able to come back home and and, and yeah. play it play at home. Um, you know, so for me again, 
I like the Texas Longhorns to get it done at home. Another big, you know, a big upset here. Uh, you know, I'm yeah, this is this is the week of the upsets here. I like Texas to to get it done. Uh, they're they're shooting almost thirty six percent from from three point land. Again, no better way to you know shoot yourself out of a slump than to be back at home. So. Yeah. Well, you know, well, I guess we'll keep that division going because, <laughs> like, like you touched on, these two teams are really trending in different directions right now. Kansas at five and zero, playing some of their best basketball this season. Texas at two and three. Texas just lost to Baylor seventy two to eighty one, while Kansas just recently played the exact same team, one eighty seven to seventy one. Mm-hmm. I just, I think Kansas just has too much offensive firepower. I, I think Kansas takes the W. All righty. Well, moving over to the ACC one that's going to decide the ACC title. That's number 25, Pittsburgh, 21-9 and overall, 14-5 and in the ACC. Going on the road to number 16, Miami, 23-6 and overall, 14-5 and in the ACC. 6 o'clock game Eastern time over on the ACC network. Another, another two teams that have faced off against each other at the end of January. Pitt came out on top by a score of 71-68. to Matt, what do you think? Do you think this is going to be another close one? Do you think Miami, you know, gets some revenge? What 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 you thinking? I think this will be another close one, but I also think it's going to be Miami getting getting the revenge game here. You know, being home, having the having the conference title on the line. I mean, everything's up for grabs. That home crowd, it's going to be ruckus. It's going to be crazy there in Miami. You know, Miami on the season they've out they're outscoring Pitt by about four points per game. And they shoot better from everywhere on the floor. Mm, mm. I, I think just those couple extra possessions going to be just enough to get Miami over that hump and, and win win the conference title. Yeah, I, I agree with you on this one. We'll finally get 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 some <laughs> agreement here. I, I think the Hurricanes. I think it's going to be another kind of back and forth, you know, match. Uh, but again, it, it comes down to being at home. This Miami Hurricanes team has been prolific at, on on their home court. Um, you know, and they, they, you know, shoot almost 40% from the three-point line, but they don't just do it on the offense. They're averaging almost eight steals a game, too. Um, so, you know, they're, they're, they're playing on both ends, both sides of it. I, this, this team's scoring a little over 80 points a game. Uh, you know, I just think being at home, they get it done. They clinch the ACC, mm-hmm. get themselves ready for the ACC tournament and see what, what they can do. <clears throat> All right, well, another ACC game and one that's got – history on history here and that's the prolific duke north carolina rivalry duke comes into this game with an overall record of 22 and 8 13 and 6 in the acc going on the road to north carolina just down the road if you will to north carolina at an overall record of 19 and 11 11 and 8 in the acc 6 30 p.m game eastern time over on espn again two teams that have faced each other Duke got the better of the first matchup playing at home, won by a score of 63 to 57. Um, you know, both teams somewhat playing a lot better here as of late, you know, not what we're used to seeing these two teams match up where neither team is ranked. Right. Um, but, you know, Duke is 5-0 and in their last five. North Carolina is 3-2 and in their last five. Um, it's going to be another another battle, I think. You know, it, it, it was a close one the last time they claimed. Duke does not has not played very well on the road, uh, especially even in the in, in the ACC. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be a very tight tight battle. But for me, I, I like the Duke Blue Devils again playing very very well here as of late. This will be the key to me. Is this Duke team really figured it out? Mm-hmm. Having to go on the road where it's been somewhat of their kryptonite all year, getting a key win against a rival on the road. I like Duke's chances in this one, but again another tight tight battle yeah well you know i guess we'll uh, go back to that division here because <laughs> i'm going north carolina at home in this one mm-hmm. you know they're outscoring duke by about five points per game this season they're being they're this been on their home court and you know really they need this win to, oh, yeah. to have a shot to, to really solidify their spot in the uh the, the big tournament here right. coming up in the big dance yeah so i i think having that home court crowd on their side mm-hmm needing the w right and you know these these two teams are close on paper anyway they 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 played each other pretty close earlier mm-hmm. in the season yep i just think i think north carolina gets the revenge here mm-hmm. takes the win at home and, yeah. and sets themselves up for for a shot at the big dance yeah well the, the one thing that, that that scares me this north carolina team shoots they they attempt almost 21 free throws mm-hmm. a game so that's a lot of free easy points at the line yep. that you know this this could you know that could be the deciding factor in this game is, you know, 
who gets the free throw line at, you know, whatever. And, and North Carolina does it at a better mark than, than Duke mm-hmm. does. And that usually is somewhat of the key in a very, very tight battle. So we'll see. It's always, you know, always a fun one uh, between these two teams, you know, match up against each other. We'll see what, what fireworks they bring on, on Saturday. So, well, our last, last game of the, of the week, uh, we got uh, back out on the West coast. We got a big, you know, a PAC 12 uh, rivalry here. We got number eight, Arizona, 25 and five overall, 14 and five in the Pac 12, going on the road to number four, UCLA, 26 and four overall, and 17 and two in the Pac 12. A 10 o'clock game, Eastern time over on ESPN. So a late one for us, East Coast folks. Um, you know, again, two teams that faced off against each other uh, back towards the end of January. Arizona won this game by a score of 58 to 52. Um, Arizona comes into the game, they're th- kind of limping in three and two in their last five. UCLA's five and zero in their last five, and looking like a super hot team that's going to make a run here in, in in March Madness. The thing that really sticks out to me is this UCLA team has only given up in the Pac-12 play about fifty-eight points a game. I mean, they are way down there uh, when it comes to you know limiting their opponents and their scoring opportunities. And this is a team that doesn't have like great big men or have a lot of big guys. But they lead the Big Twelve or the Pac-12 in offensive rebounds a game at almost twelve offensive rebounds. Even though they don't have a ton of bigger guys, they just have a ton of bigger guards that you know are not your atypical guards that you know play those positions. Um, for me, I, I, I like UCLA at home. They're playing red hot right now. Arizona again. I think they're limping. You'd like to be back at home, you know, on on something like this. I think UCLA continues to win. They they play great defense. They'll limit this this Arizona team. Uh, I like the Bruins to get it done. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, we're keeping the, keeping the division alive All here. Right, I'm, let's I'm, go. I'm going with Arizona. They're right. outscoring UCLA so far this season by ten points per game. And they're really statistically better in almost every phase of the basketball mm-hmm, game. Mm-hmm. I think home court's going to keep this thing close for UCLA, but. Arizona, you, you know, that you did hit on it. They haven't been playing the greatest right now, and UCLA has been hot. But what better way to get yourself right back on track than right. in, a, in a big number a eight versus number four matchup Right, here. right, absolutely. So we'll see. Yeah, some of you know, one of us is going to be doing really well. <laughs> right. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But uh, I love I love the division. So um, perfect. Well, that wraps up our show for this week. We uh, thanks for listening to Fired Up with your hosts, Colton Cow, Matt Gordas. We uh, hope you enjoyed our episode this week and want to hear other topics about, you know, you want to hear other topics for future episodes or, you know, you just got a burning sports question you want to hear us talk about on the show. Feel free to reach out to us on our different social media platforms. We have an Instagram. Our handle is at fired up underscore podcast, or you can find us on Facebook. If you search for fired up comma sports podcast. And as always, you can also head over to our website at www.firedup1.podbean.com. You can find all of our past episodes on there and just a little bit of, you know, information about, about the show. Uh, you know, and as we, you know, talked about, you know, March Madness right around the corner, that means we're going to get our own little March Madness bracket right going challenge. too. So, you know, be looking for information on our, you know, social medias and on our website for how to get entered into that. Let's try to have a little prize for the winner. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So you'll want to, you know. Even if you don't know a thing about basketball, it's always free to join, free to enter. You know, those are the people that usually are the ones that win the thing every year. So, so I will say last year, two-year-old ones. So, you know. Exactly. So <laughs> anything is possible, folks. So, you know, even if, yeah, you don't even know what basketball is, feel free to join. So we uh, appreciate you listening. And as always, stay, stay fired, fired up. up.